Welcome to a new episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling and Michael Rand from TCO Performance Center in Egan. Thank you for waving. Hey, Mike, Andrew, how you doing? Yeah, Mike, is it just like week 18 and you're just like, oh. I don't know. I'm just here to say I'm not about to announce anybody's on any kind of lists. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're at, uh, again, TCO Performance Center where the Vikings it are took preparing. took me a second. I was like, Santa? No, 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 not, not Santa. <laughs> Pending litigation. Preparing for the regular season finale in Detroit and their 3% chance to make the playoffs. Uh, we're not going to spend a ton of time on the permutations of that or the chances of that because there's just not a whole lot to it. But we'll discuss the direction of this franchise. We heard from Justin Jefferson today. He talked about um, a lot of different things from his season to the outlook of this team and the uh, situation at quarterback with uh, this franchise and Kirk Cousins and used the word perfect and Kirk Cousins in the same sentence. I found that interesting. Um, but moving forward, the Vikings will make a quarterback change. Nick Mullins should be taking over to start with this team again after throwing for four interceptions his last time out, but also throwing for 400 yards. Uh, ben, your reaction to the presumed decision that they're going to be doing that? Yeah, I mean, at this point, it's – I'm not sure what other choices they have. I mean, it, I, they're not going to go back to Jaron Hall, obviously. So it was the choice was either Mullins or Josh Dobbs. And going back to Josh Dobbs would seem odd at this point, given the fact that he's been the third quarterback, kind of almost out of sight, out of mind the last few weeks, really since the end of that Raiders game. So if you've given yourself two options and you've shown that one of them did not work, you're probably just going to go back to the one guy that has turnovers and all been able to run the offense at least for some yards and hope that the turnovers don't happen again and try to put your best foot forward I I would be curious to know in their heart of hearts how much they are concerned about winning this game certainly you want to get into the playoffs and, and do what you can but it's in the grand scheme of things not the worst thing in the world for them to you know have a good showing from some people, but ultimately improve their draft status. So, uh, you know, I don't think that's playing into their decisions at all, but I would be curious to know um, how much that is in anybody's mind. Yeah, Mike, a week ago, Ben and I were sitting here and we, we were discussing the draft stock on the mailbag and, and two losses would surely vault them up uh, the, the draft uh, tankathon or draft yeah. order uh, listing. So uh, phase one complete. Phase one complete, phase two likely. I mean, Detroit's got a little bit to play for, and they're mad. They're mad at how last week's game went. And listen, the Lions had nothing to play for in week 18 last year and knocked the Packers out of the playoffs. So they're going to they're gonna play. They're going to have effort. They're going to they're gonna play. They're, they're the better team. They beat the Vikings two weeks ago here. I don't like the Vikings' chances just based on what we saw against Green Bay what how many guys are still out how many guys might not play in this guess this game because of contract status because of injuries because of there's not much to play for like three percent playoff chance there's still a chance but it's very small like I, when you said three percent i was like at least they can still make milk like jacques <laughs> the, there's a famous jacques lemaire quote when he was the coach of the wild they were going through this stretch where they were like one of 55 on the power play he's like what is our power play percentage one percent we can't even make milk <laughs> But at least the Vikings can make oh, milk, but they probably man. can't make the but they probably can't make the playoffs. Jacques was a when he wanted to be, Jacques was a quote. He was machine. terrific. But yeah, he was he was fantastic. Vikings can barely make milk, they won't make the playoffs. And I think Ben's right. Like in the grand scheme of things, like picking 
10th as opposed to 17th is a pretty big deal. Like, if you, especially if you want to get a quarterback, or even if you don't want to get a quarterback, if you just need talent, which they do, it's either a way to take a top 10 pick or a way to get more of those picks that they seem to love. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. If you care about, you know, wins and, and going for it and all that and, and culture and building that, and um, you've obviously probably already know that the Vikings need a win. Um, what is it? A Packers loss, a Seahawks, Seahawks loss. loss, and then either a Buccaneers or Saints loss, correct? Yeah, yeah. So they need something to have, or they need a lot to happen, but they need uh, some permutation of those things in the NFC South on top of the Seahawks and Packers losing. Ben, you... One of those scenarios involves wins from three of the four last place teams in the NFC, by the way. Oh, in terms of the opponents? Yes. Okay. It's the Panthers, the Bears, and the Cardinals all winning. So now the Bears are playing well, but... Um, that's what you need in, in that one, or you need the the, the Falcons to be the, the least Saints. likely of them is probably the Vikings beating the Lions. Like, let's be honest. Like, I don't think they have. I mean, not saying they can't. They were close last time. I mean, if that's, that's a weird thing to think about with this season, right? Like how far it's gone off the rails. But you think about like three weeks ago, they were in great position to beat Cincinnati. They were up seventeen three in the fourth quarter, and then they're you know a a fourth and inches away from getting into field goal range in overtime the Lions game they're one play away for at the end you know that terrible pass by Nick Mullins to you know that you know, intended for Jefferson I mean this the season's just gone just just fractions this year all we are all sitting here next week and they make the playoffs and we're doing this podcast again <laughs> feel free to send this episode to yeah all please do exposed. we'll we'll all take our exposed. medicine yeah all of them have slipped away. The Denver game is where it started, right? Oh, yeah. And the Mekhi, Chicago game, Mekhi too. Blackman, yeah. and then you let the Chicago game yeah, happen. And the Denver game, which we know in retrospect now, they were try- Denver was trying desperately not to play Russell Wilson at that point. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Like, there was dissent all over that locker room, and they still blew that game to Denver. Yeah, that would have been Russell's, I think, their like third straight win of however many five straight that they rattled off in the midst of telling him, hey, Void thanks, all no your thanks. entry guarantees so we can cut you in the offseason. Um, ben, you, though, mentioned in, in the locker room, that the empty locker room, because no players want to come <laughs> around and talk to reporters this time of year, um, that the Vikings can get how high in the draft order if they lose this game? <laughs> well, they're... it's legal now, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> they're 12th at the moment, I think, and if they would lose, they're, they're tied with, I think, a bunch of other teams – for the ninth pick. I mean, that there's, I think the Falcons right now are ninth. And then you've got 10, 11, the Vikings are 12. All of those teams are seven and nine. If the Vikings basically, I think what it would amount to is the Vikings getting most of the help that they need to make the playoffs. It's like the same teams winning, but then the Vikings losing. And then the Jets winning would get the Jets to seven and 10. The Vikings in this scenario would be seven and 10. They would be in a tiebreaker with the Jets for the eighth pick, which is based on strength of schedule. Right now, that is the same. They are both at a 507 strength of schedule. These are the things that I look up when I'm uh, 
figuring out things to do when in week 18 when we don't have playoff stuff to figure out. Um, I have no idea how all this would break in terms of everybody the Jets have played, everybody the Vikings have played, who wins, who loses. That would determine the strength of schedule thing. But if the Vikings lose, all of these other teams win, including the Jets, they could move up as high as eighth, which would be the highest they've picked since 2014. They had the eighth pick that year as well. Traded back to number nine, selected Anthony Barr, and uh, the rest is history. Aaron Donald went 12 to the Rams. That would have looked good in Minnesota, huh? They already had Sharif Floyd, didn't need him. Uh, so the Vikings can it's achieve. interesting, though. I, the draft order everybody's talking about. Sorry, I'm going to no, take us on a rabbit trail. Yeah. Please do. Um, if, if they take Aaron Donald, do the Rams win the Super Bowl in 2021, where Aaron Donald, right. I think, was the MVP of the game, right? Mm-hmm. And then does that elevate Kevin O'Connell? Yeah to the point of being a hothead coaching candidate and then coming here. I, I there's, there's so, so many permutations. Many, yeah. The Kirk Cousins one is more fun, but that one is yeah. interesting too. Yeah. I mean that that one's you know, we don't need to spend any more time on it, but that yes, they and they I think they liked Aaron Donald. Yeah, and say what you will about Mike Zimmer as a head coach, but Mike Zimmer the defensive coordinator with Aaron Donald would have been fun. That would have been something. Yeah, it would have been fun. Um alas, Rams have a ring and so does Aaron Donald. Yes, they do. Um hey, I thought Justin Jefferson was interesting to me today yeah. in the in the session. If we can get into that, just he got asked a lot about the season and just reflecting on it. So just the toughest season he's had, which is interesting because his rookie year was the COVID year. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yeah. okay, so this was worse than the COVID year for him. Yep. Yeah, I remember Justin famously. This is another aside. Wow. But uh, the COVID year, I remember he had COVID. That, it's um, like one of the first guys to get it, right I think. Before training camp. So his his start to his NFL career on training camp was delayed. He was locked up in the, the – not locked up. He was just holed up in the hotel room on the Vikings campus and couldn't get out there. And he, he had a very poor choice of words when asked what that was like afterward. He said it was like prison. <laughs> it's like no 21 year old justin it was not uh, <laughs> but anyway yeah he, he talked about this was a trying year for him the seven game hamstring strain miss uh i think that played a big factor in why this was the hardest year for him um but the losing the quarterback changes obviously um uh, he also talked about he was asked again because he was asked last week about how much does the quarterback decision matter to you within the contract, right? And he said, well, there'll be a time and place for me to answer that. He was asked again today about it. um, And he basically said, if it is Kirk, perfect. If it's not, it wasn't my decision. Or that's the decision that that was their, that's their call, something like that, which was interesting to me. I don't, you know, we parse words all the time, but you add up everything that he said about this and it, it seems like he's on team Kirk, which why wouldn't he be? He's, that's the only quarterback he's really known and he's had a lot of success with them. Yes. I, I have every reason to believe based on the things that he has said. I think the first one, he brought this up. You would just ask him something about continuity at quarterback and he volunteered. Not everybody understands how good Kirk is. I mean, that was in the locker room, I think, after the Lions game. But between the comments he made there, the comments he made last week, the comments then he made today, and then just some of the things I've heard behind the scenes, I don't think there's any doubt he's on Team Kirk. Now, how far does that go? We'll see in terms of if they were to go in another direction, how would that sit with him? I don't have a completely certain answer to that question yet. I, I think the only time we're going to know that definitively is if he tells us that, which he hasn't done to this point. But when I asked him last week, will the quarterback stuff affect your willingness to sign a contract? He, he said, that's a question for another time. And, you know, hopefully I'll be able to answer that question down the road. 
Uh, again, we're, this is parsing a little bit more than I typically like to do, but he did not say, no, it won't affect it. Uh, I, I think it, eventually if he gets the money exactly the way he wants it, I think he'll sign. But I also think it was fairly close last year, and it, there's the fact that it didn't happen is going to continue to invite some of those questions. Tying two subjects together then, like you know, the Cousins decision – essentially has to happen before the draft because the draft isn't until late April. NFL season starts – NFL offseason starts mid-March. Like this It is, probably needs to happen before the Cousins gets to the market too. So two months before the draft, they've got to figure this out. How how much different is the conversation going into the offseason if they have the number 9 or 10 pick and feel fairly certain they could get a quarterback if they needed to versus if they have the 17th or 18th pick? I think it's different. I mean – I think the question at that point is going to be, are they going to um, be able to resist the potential to take a quarterback when they're picking that high? Because I'm sure the way they will look at it, if they're picking eighth, let's say let's say they go all the way up and they pick eighth with the ability to move up possibly further if they felt like they needed to do it. I would bet they're – thinking is going to be we don't plan to be picking this high very often let's make the most of it while we're up here and you also are going to have a general manager going into year three that has not made his sort of signature move on this offense yet and I know they spent a lot of time at least early in the season looking at a lot of these quarterbacks I mean they were thinking pretty aggressively about quarterback before the 2023 draft and I think they've been thinking about it pretty aggressively with this one if they're picking there, does that mean they're certainly going to take one? Does that mean they would sign Cousins before that and then put that quarterback in the room? How would Cousins feel about that? I mean, all of these are questions that I think are, are worth asking down the road. But I think if they got to eight, it would be hard to imagine that they're not going to consider it very seriously. Because even if you sign Kirk again, it's going to be 36. I mean, it's not like you can plan for... Well, maybe I mean maybe he thinks he's going to play till he's Tom Brady now, but I don't know that you would plan for that. You can't. <clears throat> this is just us sports radio yeah. conjecturing. You, in my opinion, you couldn't sign Kirk to the two or three year deal he's probably still seeking. Yeah, I think to that's right. Kind of cash out again, you know, maybe one more time, um, and then get the top ten quarterback because that guy's going to need to play. Yeah, that top ten quarterback, whether you want to sit him for half a season at best, that's what happens now. You don't wait a two years. You don't the Jordan Love thing only happens when you've got a Hall of Famer. Right. Uh and Kirk Cousins front. is not a Hall of Famer. And the other yeah, thing we should point out when the Packers have done this, I mean yes, this has become the template, but both times they've done this, they did not take that player at number eight overall. Right. They the took 20s. Aaron Rodgers at like 24, 25 Jordan Love was a 26, I believe. So it's yes, it's a first-round quarterback. I think it's different when you're picking one at the back of the first round and it's a Hall of Famer as opposed to taking one of the top 10 with a good, not great quarterback that certainly doesn't have that level of equity. You've said before, too, that Kirk would have felt a certain way if they had brought in Justin Fields, who was taken around yeah. this area. I, I Yes, I think he would have, and... I think that probably was a little different with that regime, knowing how they felt about him. Was that 21 that Fields got drafted? That was 21, and they at least kicked the tires on Fields. I'm still not entirely sure how much they were yeah. serious about Fields, but they at least did it to you know, say they did it, I suppose, could be part of it. But 
And Kirk was younger then. Two yeah, years he younger. might feel three to three years younger. He yeah, might feel sorry. differently yeah. Yeah. at thirty six than he would at thirty three or yeah. you know, he's 40, yeah. whatever. That, yeah, the season age. Yeah. But I, I still, I mean, it's part of the reason I bring it up is that I, I don't know how he would feel about that. I, I don't know that he would look at that and just be like, oh yeah, I get it, it's fine. I mean, because the reality is, if you take one that high. Part of the reason you were taking that player is the belief that we are getting a guy that can start at a $35 million a year level of production while he's making six. And we want the cheat code that that provides because they've seen it. They've seen it with the 49ers, with Jimmy Garoppolo. They've seen it with the, the Rams, with Jared Goff. They got to their first Super Bowl that way. Um, Jalen Hurts. Yes, Jalen Hurts. And we can go on down the line. There's, I mean, even Patrick Mahomes, before he signed his big deal, I think he won his first Super Bowl. Ben Roethlisberger, everybody. There's a lot of examples of this. So that would be part of the reason you do it. And if you were to sign Kirk and then say, we're going to take one eighth overall, you're kind of cutting your nose to spite your face a little bit there. I mean, I I suppose you could say if we're going to sign Kirk – at some point, we trade him in a year or two, I suppose. You could do that. Would I, he, it just feels a little he cute give, to me. He wouldn't give you that in the contract, though. He'd probably want the no trade again. Well, so He might, yeah. I mean, and, and then if you find the right scenario, I suppose. But the 49ers did this, and I mean, they took Trey Lance third overall and had Jimmy Garoppolo for a while, and Trey Lance obviously didn't work out, and they figured it out with Brock Purdy. But and Jimmy was plenty not happy about it, and he did not right. have anywhere near the cachet that Kirk had. Correct. It, Although he, it, I guess he was in a Super Bowl, so maybe yeah, he does. I'm sorry. Yeah, he was. Um, <laughs> maybe he does. I don't. Yeah, it's hard to say. I, I think if there's a reason to think they could look all of this in the eye and pull it off, it's the fact that the 49ers did it, and the number of people in that front office who have played an influence on Quasi. I mean that that front office and all of the people that have come out of that front office are pretty formative in his development as a general manager. So if there's any thought to we can walk this line, maybe it's that. I I just think it's really tricky to do it if you were to sign Kirk and then you still take one. What are the odds that another team in free agency would, like the market would bear three guaranteed years for him? Or three close to guaranteed years. I don't think it's. I mean, I think he'll gonna. I think he's gonna have a market. I don't. Will he get three guaranteed years? I. I don't know. I mean, will they have? Will the Vikings have to come over the top of that? I mean, would his feelings be hurt? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be fascinating. Is how do other teams view him coming off an Achilles injury yeah. and also eight games of what O'Connell says was his best football. Yeah. Um, and that, he is going to be coming into the combine able to run. I mean, like his yeah. plan is to be basically jogging by the end of the month. And then the idea is that he can go to the combine or Mike McCartney, his agent, can go to the combine at the end of February with video of him running. And the idea with that is obviously not for the Vikings because they know mm-hmm. that. It's so that all these other teams that have not seen him can say, hey, okay, this is not going to affect him. I The fact that the injury happened when it did the fact that they recover from that injury as quickly as they do now and the fact that he's not you know Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson in terms of a mobile quarterback i am fairly confident his camp is going to look at that and say this does not affect his price that much um will they get people to agree i don't know but i i think that's the way they're going to go into this and saying we don't need to give everybody a discount because of his health 
you know, if he decides to sign for one otherwise, you know, maybe that's the case. But I don't think he's going to look at the injury as a reason for a discount. And the other piece of this is the last couple of years. I mean, last year, we, we've both said it, Andrew, that he wanted the guaranteed deal. Yeah. Is he going to come back now and say... You wanted three years guaranteed. Right, correct. Yeah. Is he going to come back now and say, ah, we'll do it on your terms? Or is he going to say, okay, you, now you need to show me some love now that I had a good year and I've shown I can do it in this offense and your wide receiver wants me. I, I mean, that's that's the other piece of this that's going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, and Kirk's always been a businessman and somebody who's going to draw a line. And the Vikings are going to have their line. And Quasey said it on the record last time he talked after the trade deadline when he said, um, you know, I can want Kirk as, as, as much as I might want to, but this is a two-way street, you know. And that means that we've got our price and he's got his and we're going to have to find a way to meet if this reunion is going to happen. I don't think Kirk is going to come down, though, and say, you know what, I got hurt. I really like this offense. You know what, I'll take 33 million, 35 million. I don't see Kirk just giving up on value uh, willingly. I think that's going to have to be a market-driven thing. Yeah, agreed. And the last thing I'll say real quick, and Mike, I think you had something else in this, but uh, talking to him before the season, he was talking about doing uh, his business with Chad Cook, his bodywork guy, and he he just kind of said, I don't go into business with anything unless it's win-win. It's got to be good for you, good for me. I think that's sponsorships, that's doing stuff with, with trainers, doing stuff with contracts, all that stuff. I mean, he, he was very firm about that. He said, business deals for me, yeah, it's, I think he snapped his fingers, got to be win-win. If it's not win-win, I don't really like it. So I think in this case, he's going to say, yeah, we can do it, but it's got to be win-win, which means it's got to be good for me too. I was just going to say one other kind of fascinating wrinkle to all this is that if you look at where a market might form around him, like one of the most obvious destinations could be Atlanta. I thought you were say Washington. Well, Washington, but Atlanta in terms of just like quarterback need, a team that might be good with kind of that stable two to three year presence, and a team that's going to be right there in the draft order with the Vikings. And who mm-hmm. who has a higher slot there could be very interesting at the end of the year. Like, where does Kirk Cousins spend time during his off season every year? Atlanta. Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> His wife is from that area. Uh, drawing a lot of connections there. You know, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. There's yeah, the we'll plenty see. of time for these in January and February, but this is going to be I – mean, it just underscores everything that's coming at them. We haven't even what talked about what, what Daniel Hunter, Justin Jefferson. Like, it's a lot of offseason. The, the Washington angle would be interesting, too, if he went yes. back there. I, that seems a little hard to believe. Different ownership, different like that. front office. But, yeah, would, would he like that? I don't know. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, what else should we get to before we get to the mailbag um, from this game? What What are you interested in seeing from this game, Mike? Um, I mean, very little to be honest. I mean, I, I just I'm, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I, he, well, I think O'Connell addressed this early in the week, where he was like, you know, yes, there's still this kind of narrow path to the playoffs. You're going to play hard. You're going to try. Like these guys are professionals. It is a little bit of a, a culture test, right? Like this has not been the best. Kevin O'Connell year like there's only been two of them last year was obviously better but I haven't liked the way he's handled quarterbacks this year I think he's made some curious in-game decisions he's been dealt tough hands like we we know that like being being thrown into the the quarterback shuffle that they are in right now is a bit of a mess of their own making it's a hard it's a hard puzzle I don't think he's cracked it very well in these last four or five weeks with kind of the rotation and how he's not been able to help these guys maybe maximize but the, I guess the thing I would say is that, you know, if, if this is a little bit of a, a, re, a referendum on the culture that he's built here and saying, hey, you know, 
we don't like the effort. We don't like the outcome from that Green Bay game because that was the first non-one-score loss all year, right? Like, if they end the year on another dud, if they lose similarly, like 27 to 10, you know, 30, 31 to 13, and it's just non-competitive again, then it'd be like, ah, like, did guys kind of check out this year? I want to see them play hard. I don't necessarily – I'm not – expecting them to win but i'd like to see an effort out of this game that i didn't really see in the green bay game yeah i think it's a fair question i mean he talked about it a little bit i think after this one that the culture gets tested this week and you know how many guys will be checked out i think harrison phillips talked about it after the game and you know not worrying about guys booking flights out of here and that sort of thing but there is a little bit of that with anytime you're in this type of a situation is how much are people kind of making business decisions and saying i don't want to go get hurt because it's going to affect my offseason. So, um, you know, does a game like this indict your culture if that doesn't happen, if they don't go out and play to their fullest capacity? I don't know about that. But I do think he brought it up in the point to the point where it's like, yeah, I think that's on their minds a little bit. So how that looks, um, I'm curious if a Caleb Evans – bounces back a little bit uh didn't have a very good week last week i mean certainly didn't have a very good week last week and and had some struggles against the lions has really had some struggles all month so can he finish on a good note and kind of give them a reason to think yeah this guy's part of the mix going forward you know things like that i think younger players that have a little bit of a a statement to make in terms of how they're viewed in the overall plan i'm curious to see some of those things yeah whether it's him or ty chandler who yeah has been the starter even after Alexander Madison was taken off the injury report. This is they've made that switch now. Uh, it is Ty Chandler's backfield for this last game. Um, can he be somebody that is a factor moving forward? I don't imagine they're going to go into this offseason saying, you know what, we found our three down back. I imagine this is going to be an offseason of finding change in that backfield. Somebody with fresh legs? Yes, somebody with fresh legs. Somebody with fresh eyes (laughs) to to find the hole. Someone who can help a playoff contender. (laughs) Dynamic playmaker. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, that's a good point about just some of the young guys on this roster who have questions to answer because there are so many holes on this roster, a lot of the questions that we'll get to in the mailbag are about how much of this was personnel versus scheme and what are the issues on this team. Which is interesting. Like I think and that to Ben's point, like they could get blown out in this game and it might not be an indictment of culture. It might just be an indictment of everybody's hurt and they're just not good anymore. Yeah, I mean the the, the talent I think that's certainly been something we should talk about too. And the the talent or the lack thereof, the lack of depth of talent on the roster has been exposed the last few weeks. And and they really have done a pretty good job masking that all year. I think Brian Flores in particular has done a pretty good job masking that, but the chickens have come home to roost there. I mean, just in terms of people saying, you know what, I can throw it downfield. I'll take some chances because I don't think your corners can cover this idea that we have to throw it short. There have been a lot, whether it's Jake Browning taking chances or even Jordan Love, I think some of those look like chances, but they also looked like they were coached to play that way a little bit. Uh, People saying, you know what, we don't think we're at that much risk if we chuck it up on your corners, and they've been able to do that. So some of those things I think have been exposed to. Is that still a holdover from the Spielman era, or is that Quasi's drafting and talent accumulation? Is it both? I mean, because at this point you'd like there to be better depth, wouldn't you? I mean, it's both, right? Because both. Yeah. I think. Because Quasi's first two draft picks were in the secondary, and neither of them are factors. No, and the third pick – well, he, 
yeah, Brian Asamoah has not been a factor this year either. The third pick in that secondary is a Caleb Evans, yeah. who has been up and down. I, but I, to your point of being at both, the reason he needed to go draft at that spot is they had missed on Mike Hughes. They had missed on, I mean, obviously Jeff Gladney for a lot of reasons. Um, Cam Dantzler. They Cam Dantzler. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of corners that didn't work out in the latter half of the Spielman years that made you continue to say we need to take just one more even if you hit on trey waynes he'd still be a player yeah or mckenzie right alexander now. yeah like if you'd hit on a guy who could be in a second or third contract by now and be a veteran yeah it'd be like a 31 year old corner that's still productive they don't even have that no they don't uh, they have to go pay eight million for patrick peterson to be that guy for a year and then lose out on him because you're not uh, able to lock him down financially so um yeah i think to answer your question yeah i think it's got to be both just because the, they inherited such a bad situation and then 18 months after Quasey took the job, he had gotten rid of every corner he inherited. So now it is just his guys. And it's young guys, and they're trying to piece it together. And I thought Byron Murphy's played well in moments. He's got the numbers. He's got the 13 pass deflections, the three picks, but he's also missed a number of tackles. He's also given up a number of plays, too, that's been wildly inconsistent. But outside of Murphy, they don't have guys at corner who can make plays on the ball. That's the thing that stands out to me about this group. They don't. They just don't have playmakers. A Caleb Evans is 6'2". When's he made a play on the ball that you've been like, whoa? He hasn't. And <laughs> I mean, the times where he's been in position to do it have been places where he's either gotten beat like Cincinnati or the one against the Chargers where he has a chance to make a play on the ball that bounces off his hands. Josh Palmer catches it for a touchdown and helps right. win that game. So, that. yeah, I mean, the ability to make plays on the ball has not been there for him. And I think that's been true of a lot of these corners. All right, well, we'll get to the mailbag here. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. Please check out all of our work at startribune.com.